We implemented many ITIL processes. The world's most practiced method for project management. ITIL has been um, a catalyst in my career. Hundreds of thousands of people with a Prince 2 qualification. I've seen ITIL help organizations be more successful. The Axelos Podcast, bringing best practice directly to you. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the ITSM podcast from Axelos. Uh, my name is Akshay Anand. I am the product ambassador for ITIL, and we have a fabulous panel for you today. Probably the best panel we've put together until the next one I put together. Uh, joining me today uh, are three absolutely wonderful people and subject matter experts in their own domains. Um, and we're going to be talking about the digital IT strategy uh, course and the assessment that comes along with that course. Joining me are the, the three brains behind the assessment and the case study that we're going to hear about. Uh, in no particular order, except how they appear on my screen, uh, we've got uh, Robin Heisek, based out of Philadelphia. Uh, Robin works for Pink Elephant, and she's a senior consult management consultant and coach uh, specializing in areas such as organizational change management, ITIL, um, Agile, and other development frameworks. Uh, Robin, did I miss anything uh, from that? Nope, nope, good. I'm 14 years at Pink Elephant is all that I wanted to say there. And I also wanted to say that I've been really honored to work with this team and with Axelos on this project to, to help bring digital and IT strategy to the community. Gosh, 14 years. So uh, does that mean you're, you're, uh, you, get, you get the black T-shirt? I mean, the, the, the black Pink Elephant T-shirt that, that when you hit 15 years? Is that how it works? That must be it. I don't know about black t-shirt, maybe green for go, just go, go, go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, next up, we have um, Avinash Singh from Fox IT, based out of Delhi. Uh, Avinash is a consultant and trainer in the uh, areas of service management and business relationship management. Um, and beyond that, you know, Avinash and I have had the privilege of spending some time together uh, when I visited India. And, you know, if you're ever uh, uh, in an opportunity to meet with Avinash or have a drink with him or have dinner, he's amazing company, is, is all I can say. Um, Avinash, um, any any other things that you'd like to plug or promote? No, thanks for the kind word, first of all, Akshay. And again, I'll just echo what Robin mentioned. It was a fabulous honor and experience of working with the great team that we had at Exilos and along with Robin and Tina. So it was a fabulous experience for me personally. And I think the end product uh, for the sessions that we conducted, the beta sessions that we conducted have really come across well and people have really appreciated the content and the assessment structure uh, that has been co-created along with the team. So really looking forward to how it creates an impact in the IT community for the for the good. For that Absolutely. Part. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 we'll 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 dig deeper into into the, the fabulous stuff that you guys have created. But the third yeah. um leg of the of the magical tripod is um Antonina Klensova, and I don't know if I butchered that name. It's absolutely perfect, Klensova. Brilliant. <laughs> um, Antonina is, um, there was actually the, the first idol expert in Belarus and one of the founding members of uh, the ITSM community out, in, out there in Belarus. Um, since then, she's worked for a variety of companies, but she now works as a coach and a consultant, um, especially in the areas of um, organizational change, digital transformation, and uh, most intriguingly for me, I think, she's been doing a series of webinars of how art promotes or, or, or um, um, creates uh, interesting results in the workplace. Um, I found that absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of always looking for ways in which we can apply our personal projects to 
uh, improve the way we work. Uh, I certainly think I became a better professional once I started photography many, many years ago, for example. Um, Antonina, uh, anything that you'd like to plug, anything that I may have missed? Yeah, maybe just even more emphasize what you said, because that was exactly the baseline for the case study as well. You know, my big passion is looking and applying the cross-knowledge and searching for the synergy between different practices like art, digital leadership, coaching. And I think that's what we all did great uh, while developing the business case study for DITS. Excellent. So let's let's talk about DITS and the case study. Now, many people uh, who are listening to this uh, might have already heard the DITS podcast that we recorded with uh, Erica, David, and Roman. Uh, a while ago, but this part, this episode, we're going to focus on the case study assessment that you guys developed together. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to start off by saying, well, hang on, um, case studies are a new thing for ITIL. But I think if we look back in, in ITIL's timeline as a product, there have been many, many cases in which we've used um, case studies. Um, I, I don't want to pick on any particular person in, uh, uh, but we do have some very well-qualified trainers and experienced trainers here. Uh, can you give us an idea of what sort of, what sort of um, idle products you've used case studies for in, in the past? Um, Robin, why don't you go first? Sure. So we had to actually go back. We've been so involved with ITIL4, all three of us, for the past couple of years that we had to go back and, and think what was uh, ITIL version 3 like. <laughs> There were case studies in all of the intermediate um, classes there. And, and the thing is, though, the case studies were exam related. And so that's going to be a difference that we'll be talking about. And so for a uh, service strategy class, you would have a case study. Well, actually, it even wasn't a case study because there were eight sections and each section was related to an exam question. So that's a little bit of a different approach. For Malk, it was a full one case study. And then the three of us had to talk and I'll, I'm gonna turn this over to uh, Avinash too. We're all service managers from way back, but Avinash has the, the deepest memory of what the pain <laughs> was like in that case study, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks Robin for that. Yeah, I think uh, you rightly pointed out, I think B3 also had elements of case study built into it. Although from a different perspective, they were kind of mini case scenarios upon which specific questions were built upon. And then Malk had a full-fledged case study. I think uh, I was personally fascinated long back. Now, it should not tell about my age, but when I came across uh, ITIL V2 service manager qualification back in 2003, 2004, I was absolutely fascinated by the realism and the depth of the case study that the delegates had to go through and then, uh, then answer the questions based on that. So I think uh, case studies have been uh, a, a huge uh, learning experience elevator, which has been part of the ITIL qualification schema for almost two decades now, right? And, and I think uh, that's where when, we're when we are developing the case study for, for this, I think we, we all borrowed from our memories and the good parts of the case studies, which we thought can be replicated and and fine-tuned in the VUCA world that we are operating in, and 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 then then so that the learning experience is elevated for the delegates. So practitioner, for that matter, also had some case studies. So did had Malk. Uh, so there has been a huge 
lineage of relevant case studies which have elevated the learning experience for the delegates. Yeah, Robin, so, yeah, yeah. And um, Antonina, I mean, I think I look at you as someone who bridges not only ITIL, but lots of other domains, which perhaps we wouldn't consider necessarily in the scope of a typical ITSM professional. Um, have you encountered case studies in, in your experience with, with working with other frameworks or business frameworks and, and so on? Yes, a lot. And I'm extremely happy that uh, nowadays in ITIL 4, we have it too because it shows a really brilliant result, both for me as be a trainee and be a trainer in all coaching approaches. Usually all coaching sessions, they have business case studies when you, you kind of don't play the roles, you leave the roles through and experiment in a safe environment. What if that happens in your real life? The same as in the business uh, trainings, we all face unpredictable situation and, um, you know, the book environment. So that, again, brings us the chance to experiment and live through the role. So, yes, I experienced it a lot, and I'm happy we brought it to ITSM now even more. Brilliant. Uh, so what, what lessons, uh, broadly speaking, what are the sort of general themes or the lessons that you guys could bring in from your prior experience? You know, the, the, the positives, Avinash, that you mentioned, but I'm sure there would have been things where you said, you know what, we should make sure we don't fall into that trap again. Um, so, yeah. you know, what were those sort of big headline lessons that you guys had at the back of your mind when you were thinking about the DITS case study? Um, Avinash, I'll, I'll throw this question to you first. Sure, Akshay. Uh, I think uh, when we looked at our past experience of, of, of uh, dealing with case studies and, and bringing it, making it relevant for the delegates, from a learning and application perspective, uh, we, we primarily thought about three key things that we should bring into the DITS case study. The first thing was the realism bit. So it's very important that, that the, when delegates read the case study, they are able to relate to their organization or their customer's environment or in the service relationship environment that they are currently operating in, that they are, they, they, their relativity levels are relatively high, right? That was one thing. The, the second thing was the case study has to be very well converged and aligned to a certain extent with the content that we are going to evaluate as part of the assessment criteria. So the case study should have the right mix of scenarios, right mix of events, uh, the right mix of circumstances, which, which kind of take them in or help them to consider the right assessment criteria or the points that you want to emphasize on as part of the evaluation criteria, which is basically the rich content that we have in the DITS guide. Yeah, so we have to kind of make that amalgamation very comprehensive. And, and also probably uh, one of the key points was how can we make it much more contemporary, right? In terms of it, DITS is, is, is made for the next gen organizations. So our idea was that if you are not a next gen organization right now, still this case study will be equally relevant for you. And that's the reason probably the case study structure and the number of organizations which you're going to talk about as you move forward in the discussion, we can try to make sure that we have the digitally native organizations as well as different organizations at digital, different levels of digital maturity scale. So these were some of the key points that we thought borrowed from the previous case study experiences and then kind of adopted and adapted them to the current digital environment that we are operating in right now. Yeah, sure. 
Oh, no, the fa fascinating points. Um, Antonina, yeah, please, I see you raising your Yeah, I want to add, I really want to add one more point. You know, there is this phrase written in all ITL books nowadays, keep it simple. That's what we yeah. keep kept in our minds because it's so easy to make uh, the case study overcomplicated and put people into the position that they have to analyze and spend a lot of time. Usually on trainings, we don't have that chance. So we yeah. were trying to make it realistic and as easy as possible i mean easy yeah. not for solution but keep it uh, <laughs> easy to easy general, to understand easy. easy to pick yeah. up yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah i'll actually just jump on with what you just said antonita so I, I i looked up the malk case study this morning that is associated with an individual taking exam questions and it is seven pages long our case study is really three pages long with an addendum. Um, an addendum, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. So we did keep it simple. And each of the three pages is about a specific organization. So even each of the three pages has a beginning and an end. I actually um, want to kind of change the flow of this a little bit on yeah, you, sure. is that um, kind of back to the learning is, all of the case studies that I have experienced through ITIL practitioner, ITIL version two, ITIL version three, organizational change management that is not an axolos, but anyway, has been related to individuals answering exam questions. The learning that we have and really the beauty of this case study, so far we've talked about the content, is it's not tied to an individual doing an exam question, it's tied to an, an individual working within a collaborative group and being able to take what we provided in that simple case study and own the company that they choose to work with and they can extend the case study. So they can say, well, the company was presented like this, but as they go through the different exercises, I'm going to add in that in next year, this will happen or, or whatever. So they have personalized it and made their own. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting. And I guess that also prevents um, uh, people from, I mean, with all due respect, you know, uh, to, to a lot of our candidates and delegates and wonderful people in our community, there will always be someone who's going to go online and try to, quote unquote, search for the answers. So I guess yeah. that extensibility that you've built into the case study assessment uh, helps mitigate that because yeah. every every time you run the case study, something new will emerge, something new will happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's even vice versa. We will be really happy if somebody goes online and search for the previous answers because the concept here, steal the best ideas, share your best experience, and then adopt it for your own case. You know, so it's something that should be copied in the best side of that. Uh, copied with the, uh, I, I think, I think uh, I've worked with some ex-GE folks who always use this phrase, steal with pride. So I suppose that's, <laughs> yeah, that's really what exactly. We're, that's what I mean. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what I mean now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A more, a more sophisticated, a sophisticated word would be inspiration. Driving inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> be inspired by yeah. those. Yeah, be inspired. Yeah, exactly. It um, is actually interesting as the trainer and the facilitator of the exercise how much you learn from dropping yeah, in yeah, on yeah, the activity oh, yeah. and listening to their conversations. So 
in all, all of this should in time even, you know, bring more to digital and IT strategy, both for maybe future updates to it, but also to help with the Axelos community in my ITO with different white papers and different blog entries as people are taking the content and through the case study and the networking and the collaboration community is, is just add to this over time. That's, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah. I believe uh, it's yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. I just wanted to say that an important message to send for everyone, there is no correct answers there. Right. All the answers are correct. And that's what important. Uh, yeah, just wanted to add to what Antina and Robin mentioned, and Akshay is that when we were developing the case study, we we thought that the entire experience, learning experience, can be divided into four broad phases. I think first is that when when you learn the content from whatever we have, the the rich content in its guide. The second phase was the application, where we actually do the case study and we, we try to solve the assessments that we have in front of us. The, the third part of the learning exercise or experience was you know, we reflect. So we reflect along with the group whom we have solved the case study or solved the assessment uh, 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 exercise. And then along with the trainer guidance, we reflect upon what we have learned. And the fourth part, which I think Robin mentioned a lot uh, in, in one of our discussions as well, was shared. So you don't share it and restrict it to the group that you are part of in the class itself. You can go back to your workplace and see, hey, this is something what our organization looks like. And these are some of the concepts that we have that we can adopt and adapt in our environment and, and, and become more digitally native or become and work towards more of a digital enterprise kind of a vision that we have for us. So your learning is not only restricted to the classroom or the virtual classroom these days, it's actual real world adoption that would be triggered. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's very, that's very true. Um, both Robin and Avinash, you, you just uh, touched upon the content uh, of it. Now, of course, as I mentioned, there's a whole other podcast which uh, should have uh, released before this uh, particular episode, uh, where we talked to David Cannon and Erica Flora and uh, Roman as well about the content itself. And we briefly touched upon the assessment in that podcast. But from your perspectives, uh, when you started looking at the content that was being developed, what started going through your head? Why did you think that uh, um, DITS would be ideal for a case study as a, you know, compared to maybe managing professional? What, what unique characteristics did you see in DITS as trainers that immediately in your head said, you know what, it would be really good to do a case study against this? Mm -hmm. uh, Robin, if you want to take that. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, DITS is very powerful. There is a lot of content and the content within DITS has, I guess, digital and IT strategy. We've been really abbreviating this all along. DITS, <laughs> the, the, the content in DITS has a flow with it as well. And so our, the case study flows. So it's not, it is four sections of a case study that is covered in different portions of the class, but the case study builds on what you've learned and what you've learned is building. So it's that, it's the content rich. It is, as, as Avinash said, the real world, real world applicability of this content to everybody's world because we all live in a vocal world. And then again, the flow and the build of it. Yeah, just to add on to what Robin mentioned, I think uh, why DITS was the ideal module 
if I can use that word, uh, for for a case study, was number one the target segment and and the target audience for this particular qualification, right? This is a part of ITIL strategic leader, and and the target audience that we are aiming at who will really benefit from this are are the CIOs, stakeholders who are very heavily involved in digital transformations, consultants for that matter, right? And and and. And to a certain extent, they don't want just to get the theoretical part of the knowledge and clear the exam and, and go back. They want some, some hardcore implementation stuff in their mind as well, uh, Akshay. And, and that's where probably the target audience and the rich content that Robin mentioned drove us to, to a kind of a decision that I think this is the right module or, or the qualification for the case study because of the target audience itself. And, and I think that will really attract a lot of seasoned experienced professionals to to enroll for this course because it's not just the content but it's the application part which they value more which is in in in, in full force in the its qualification and its course that we run yeah. i i think that i think that's a really interesting point because I, I i mean if we look at ourselves individually i think the way we yeah. uh preferred to learn when we were maybe just starting yeah. out in our careers coming out of university or just in still in university was very different to how we would like to learn now i think yeah. uh, our seniority our um the the roles that we we carry out are more more and more specialized as you as you go up in the ranks in, in an organization yeah. so so yeah. just the base theory or uh, universal universally applicable um uh, guidance sometimes needs to be uh, configured slightly differently, presented slightly differently. So I think uh, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, Antonina, and to build when, on, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, go 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 ahead with the question. I, I was going to say that um, uh, you, you were also involved with uh, developing a number of the practices that fed into DITS uh, before we, as as we were working on DITS thing, uh, practices like strategy management, for example. Um, so. When, when you started working on the case study, were you seeing a lot of synergy between the practices and the core content when it came to formulating the case study? Or how did that process work in, in for, for you? Definitely, there are a lot of connections and it's hard even to find the boundaries between you know practices or deep books because they all build on one another. And even though the case study is not forcing participants to know one or two particular practices, they, they should have a sense of those like organizational changes, like strategy management, incident management, because it's all what you take into consideration building up the digital strategy, right? So definitely uh, the concepts were aligned. And uh, a little bit adding on, on the previous topics and best practices, the adult brain learn when it asks questions and one of the purpose of this uh, case study was not to bring answers and let participants to find them but to erase as many practical questions as we as trainers can so when uh, people leave the course they face the same questions in their real life and they know at least the strategy how to search for the answers you know that that's actually a fabulous phrase. I've never actually thought about it like that. I mean, I, I at least for myself, I completely concur because I do miserably when I try to self-study. I need to <laughs> ask questions. I need to converse with somebody else. I need to bounce ideas off, and that's how I get an understanding of what it is I'm I'm 
I mean, that could yeah. explain why I, my exam marks were really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very aligned with the latest neuroscience discoveries, <laughs> because that's what scientists say. Uh, there are like three main rules for adult brain to learn, and one of them ask questions. Don't repeat, don't read double, triple times. It doesn't help. They proved it already. But <laughs> ask questions about yeah. what you've just seen or read. I've got to go back and tell my parents, see, this is why I said that. <laughs> I, I think that's a good but it's for adults. Okay, for kids. Okay, let, let's keep it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, no, I'm, I'm glad my daughter is not listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so moving on. Uh, so you had all this, this background, all this thinking, all this prior knowledge and lessons learned. And you sort of started to actually craft uh, the case study. So let's talk a little bit about the case study itself. Um, you said, uh, Robin, I think it was you, you said three pages. Um, so what exactly is described on those three pages? Well, let's go back a little bit. So we are describing three different companies. We went through a lot of discussion on how should we approach this should we not provide actual companies and let students say, okay, I want to use my company as the example in our small group. And then we saw challenges with that is if I said, well, let's use my company, then Avinash um, and, and Antonina might not know enough about it and or feel that they are being slighted because we're not using their company. Also, we might have a little bit of privacy information. So we could be working for, you know, competitive companies in the same vertical. So we, we said no to that. And then when we said, okay, well, we are going to come up with companies and provide them in this case study, then the next point that we had to get through was, well, we didn't want anyone to kind of say, well, that's my company that they're talking about. So the selection of the three companies was, was very conscious that we were trying to make it as simple and generic as possible. So we had them, three separate companies, but they also had to have a relationship between them because it wouldn't be the world that we live in today if there weren't consumers and providers. And so it was a lot of thought into this to keep it, as you've been saying, as simple as possible, and yet to make it as rich as possible in just a few paragraphs. So yeah. um, uh, so, so, what are those three companies? Um, Antonina, can you give us a, a quick rundown of what, what those yeah, companies are? Okay. Sure. I mean, what you will find in the case study there, uh, the MCL, the company who provides uh, um, learning services and there is a customer a huge hospitality company who is spread all over the world and they consume they are not as digital flexible but still they try to go there and then we have a newly born but successful startup who is strong on digital side innovative and running forward so if you think about that uh, you can switch industries really easy on the name of the companies and what we yes we've chosen the uh, study company of the uh, hospitality and digital company but actually you can take logistics there you can take uh, hospitals so we were just trying not to touch the sensitive uh, topics but the concept is someone who consumes digital services but a little bit old-fashioned and more traditional but wants to move forward 
somebody who really uses digital services and it's like a base for their business, but they are not digital business themselves and digital business. So, but in my understanding, we pretty much cover all the companies in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I remember um, in, um, in a lot of Indian movies at the very start, there's always this warning that flashes up. Um, resemblance to any uh, person either living or dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's purely yes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. we just said that, not in so many words. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so, yeah. I think if just I can add to what Antony and Robin mentioned, Akshay, is that the the idea was that uh, we are allowing the delegates to pick and choose a company upon which they want to apply the DIT's best practices and the guidance and 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 the knowledge, right? So the idea was that there are, there are two ways to select the case studies, and that's what we tell the delegates when when we when they attend the session. Either you can pick and choose an organization which you can relate to very heavily. Yeah. Or if you want to challenge yourself better, pick an organization which you cannot relate to at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, what it does was we have to create two spectrums in this in terms of digital maturity. One which is very digital native organization, as Antina mentioned, a startup, a completely digital enterprise to an organization which is a traditional operating model, which would be which wants to leverage digital technology to maximize and retain its market share. So the idea was we choose two ends of the digital spectrum and then people and delegates can pick and choose the right, uh, right organization, which they think will challenge them from a learning perspective and then, then, then apply the best practices. That was the entire idea. yeah. Uh, sure, uh, and I think it's also important note, to note at this point that in the development of dates, but also in the development of the case study, at no point are we saying everybody needs to be that digital native company. Absolutely, right. the, absolutely. The, right. Your business is your business, and if your business absolutely. is a, you know, in real life IRL business, then that's your business. We're not trying to force absolutely. all companies to become a digital company. Absolutely. Um, but ba based on these scenarios, uh, based on these companies, what sort of scenarios uh, would we be asking students to consider? And um, before we answer that, actually, Avinash, you, you mentioned something about students selecting a company. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we're not asking students to perform these assignments individually, but instead to group yeah. them, to create yeah. groups okay. around their selections, right? It okay. actually Absolutely. depends because there there is a possibility to go through the self-study. It depends on the training organization, how they will organize that. So the case study was developed that it's actually applicable for the group study, individual study, online or offline. It fits it all. Okay, so from one to n number yeah. of students. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so so the yeah so the delivery mode was one of the considerations, and we are we're designing the case study limits actually. Yeah, sure. So uh, so let's go back to the the other question. So students have received uh, the case study. They've read the three pages, but what sort of challenges uh, are they expected to discuss, tackle, think about, address as part of these assessments? Uh, uh, in, in general terms, what, what sort of what sort of things would they have to uh, answer? What sort of questions would they have to answer? Well, they, they need to they need to look into these different organizations and say what what is or could disrupt the organization, organizational business. Now 
often we think of that because this is digital and IT strategy of technologies disrupting the organization, but there could be other factors, pestle, external environment, or even four dimensions, internal environment disruptors to the organization. So they need to look at what's in the case study and what is causing or could cause the organization harm. So that's kind of where you get started, which is helping you then better understand and uh, become the company, become part of your company that you've chosen. If I may quickly summarize what we expect participants to do is actually to analyze and make decisions on the base of rather limited information. That's what happening in the real life all the time, right? So we invite them also to make their own assumptions something that they cannot find in the case. They're welcome to explain what they add there. And then on the base of those decisions to develop their own um, way of developing those companies and building the interaction between three of those. Hi everyone, Akshay here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast you were just listening to. But as you know, every month we like to highlight a member of our global IT or ITSM community that uh, has been doing some interesting things or has something interesting to say. And it is my great pleasure to introduce to you one of my oldest friends, Malika Galdui. Malika has been living in Bangalore for many years now, working at VMware. And I've always admired how she's been able to navigate the uh, unique cultural, societal, and professional pressures that uh, people in India face, especially women in tech in India face. So without any further ado, Let's hear directly from Malika. So I'm uh, Malika Galagali and I work out of Bangalore in India. I work for VMware. Currently, I've been here for a little over 10 years and I manage the business uh, for country for all of our SaaS and subscription uh, partnerships. Now, it's been a, I think it's it's been a roller coaster ride getting till here, and it was quite inadvertent because when I started out right after college, I was uh, supposed to go and become a developer or a coder or something of the sort. Uh, but the person who interviewed me decided that I had the gift of the gab, and it probably made more sense to stick me in front of a customer than behind a computer screen. So that's how you know, twenty years later, this is where I am. I've had, I think. Um, the, the privilege and the opportunity to work across multiple countries. I've done a lot of work in the Indian market with customers, with managers and businesses here, um, as well as with those from outside of India, both you know from across the Asia-Pacific region, as well as out of the US and, and in Europe. And there are a few things which are common, but there are also a far greater set of challenges that women working in in India face as as compared to um, I think uh, other places which is purely a function of uh, probably the level of exposure or the general mix of you know society um, around you so the good thing that's that's been there uh, for me, especially since I've started working with with managers who've had a lot more exposure to you know to markets outside and to and to mixes of of people from everywhere, is that the 
the dependency shifts from being a, you know, this is a nine to five job, this is an eight hour job to what are the outcomes that you are delivering? And the focus becomes, did you do what you were supposed to do versus where you sitting in your office and doing it for eight hours? Um, that's one big thing that a lot of managers, I've, I'm seeing that shift now in Indian managers, but that didn't used to exist. Um, it was always, a, oh, you're going home early or, oh, you're never in the office because, you know, hey, I'm doing calls at 5 a.m. and at 11 p.m. Of course, I'm not going to be in the office, but um, that didn't always matter to people. Right? Um, I think one of the good things is having that shift come in the workforce. And now with, you know, the COVID situation, people are are learning that sitting at home and doing a job doesn't mean you can't do it well. Um, be effective. So I'm I'm looking forward to you know the workforce sort of thought process shifting across industries and possibly in the software industry far more than anywhere else. But uh, to you know be more outcome focused than than anything else. And I think by the same token, the challenges that we face, uh, especially in India, is is twofold. In that you know the roles of a, a woman are always expected to be, you have a role at home, which does not go away just because you're working or just because you run the business or, you know, you are expected to put in 12 hours at work, you still are expected to do everything else. Now, I've been luckier, far luckier than more, you know, than many people in my position in that I have the kind of help that I need um, to make things happen at home, but not everybody does. And, you know, their family situations aren't always a nuclear unit. So there are dependencies on, you know, older people in the family or what the in-laws will say and what you're expected to do when child raising and, you know, cooking. And, you know, the big joke in our house is um, I don't cook. So my in-laws like to rag me about that, but it's always done fondly. But not everyone has that, um, has that sort of a benefit. I think one of the main things is to be very clear as to what you're expected to do and what you're expected to, you know, deliver as a part of your job, um, not just in isolation, but as a part of a larger team is what is that objective you're trying to achieve? Why are we even doing these jobs? It's not just a tick in the box. Um, and then figure out how you're going to do that in in relation to everything else that you're doing. I mean, we all want to work so that we have a life not live at work. Uh, but it also means that we have responsibilities at work that we need to deliver on. And if we can't do that, then we have to sacrifice something else to make sure because someone's paying us to do this. Um, it doesn't entitle them to everything, you know, all of our time. But then if you're doing a good job and if you're able to focus on delivering quality, then uh, whatever might be the job, wherever, you know, you might fit within the organization, do your job well. And make sure that it's it fits into you know what the next person is is doing. So you know this is like a relay race. It's not just that I toss the baton at the next person. Make sure that the baton hits the palm of the person taking it from you, so that they can they can go forward and you're actually done with your work. So that's that's one thing. I mean, you said focus on delivering on your job properly, however you do it in however amount of time. And for managers, I think. Um, and I'm learning now because I'm a first time manager now, but then I've also informally managed teams. It's that you may want things to be done a certain way, but then again, keep focused on the outcome 
because um, someone in your team might have a way of doing it that may surprise you or might hit that objective in a far easier manner than what you think. So always hear them out, see what they've got to say, and then you can always tune. Now, everyone is, you know, there's, there's always bigger fish that we have to, you know, roll up into or, or send things up the chain. So some managers are always reacting off of what their managers expect them to do. But make sure you don't expose your teams. Stand for them, protect them, stand up for them when you have to. And when they've done a good job, make sure that you make them visible and make sure that people know that it's their job. Unfortunately, there are a lot of credit hogs in every, you know, every line of business, every every part of life. But if you want to be a good manager and if you want your team to do their best for you, make sure you're doing your best for them. So I'm on LinkedIn, Malika Galagali, M-A-L-L-I-K-A, Galagali, G-A-L-A-G-A-L-I. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm Malz, M-A-L-Z. Hey, so this is Akshay again. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. And now let's get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Okay, uh, so it, it's a fair point about what, what we're going to be asking them uh, or what how they're going to be assessed. Uh, but equally, I think as you guys were, were going through the design of the case study assessment, you had to tackle the question of what is not going to be assessed. Uh, and it's equally important to, to address this point and clarify this point. Um, so what are the sorts of things you're, you're not looking to assess? So this was one of the toughest discussion points, actually, I think in terms of how we can we can uh, play in the grays, if I can use that word, right? The idea was that there are no black and white answers, as Antonina mentioned, in, in, in the specific scenarios and the assessments that we have. But we have, all to, we have also to make sure that they pivot around the right concept that has been described in the DITS guide, and they have their own area where they can play with. So, so the idea was that we are not looking for very bookish answers, which are pure play, black and white. This is binary, this is uh, zero, and this is one. The idea was there are chances for 0 0.5, 0 0.75, and 1.25 as well, right? And we have to respect that because the, that, that answer is coming based on their experience, right? So we were very clear we are not looking for a very bookish answers. That, that and binary answers at this point of time, that was very clear. Second part, which was very clear was to us and which we wanted to make sure that we, we, we emphasize this in the workshop is that it's a group collaborative exercise, right? That means we have to make sure that we work as a group, we, we respect each other's viewpoint, and then we come across with the, with the answers for the assessment. So it's not an individual based uh, exercise was very clear from the outset. And number three probably was, yeah, please actually want to- No, no, yeah. go ahead with number three. Yeah. yeah, and the number three was that that reflection based on the answers would be the key element of the learning ex experience. So I think these three elements, we thought that probably we have to make sure that we give them enough time to do the exercise. Because remember, we are doing these exercises in three days itself, right, of the workshop. So it's a very time constrained environment that we are operating in. But we wanted to make sure that we give them enough time to attempt the, the assessments. So there has to be some guiding principles for that. The second was that we spend enough time on reflection, both as a group and as stakeholders, so that they, they get the right perspective about the application element of this. These were some of the points that we were and thinking then, about. Yeah. To, to add on that one, we definitely don't measure and don't assess 
is the presentational skills or leadership skills within the team. So soft skills, they are out of the scope of this assessment, even though we encourage the participants to practice those as well and to bring it in uh, to this safe environment, but though they're definitely out of scope of assessment. It's important for us to see that people uh, went through and understand the CRA background from this. They uh, were attentive reading the case studies, so they actually, as I said, they're welcome to bring more details, but not to change what was written there, you know, so they should use the adequate analysis. And um, yeah, then that alignment of those two. So, so when you say you, you mentioned presentation skills, so I'm guessing that as part of this group exercise, uh, somebody would have to stand up in front of the class or virtual online or yes. submit some sort of homework, essentially, if they're doing it individually. Um, and, and so we're not we're not necessarily looking for how good they are at public speaking, um, nor, nor are we looking at whether they were the quietest person in the group or the loudest person in the group. But that that brings up a very interesting um, uh, topic of group dynamics, though, um, Antonina. Uh, How do, as a delegate, how do I uh, handle these sorts of conflicts? Um, You know, how do I make sure my voice is being heard? Or, uh, I mean, you could very well see, for example, that somebody says, you know what, everyone's going to get the same marks. That guy or that girl knows what they're saying. You know, I'm just going to coast. How, how how would you recommend not only to trainers but also to the group uh, to to handle these sorts of conflicts and and group dynamics? Well, uh, we definitely believe that any adult person, any healthy adult person, is creative, fulfilled, and eager to learn. So we trust, and we trust the people who will ask questions. But for sure, some of us more introvert or extrovert. So for that case, we have also sort of a self-assessment table that we propose for all the participants for their own reflection. And uh, we um, propose the trainers to give at least three to five minutes after each exercise for each person to make self-reflection and go through this preset of questions to answer what I've learned, what are challenges we faced in the group. Because uh, my personal belief is whatever participants will face through the group discussion, conflicts, benefits, good and bad, they will face in real life. So again, that's a safe environment for them to experiment even with conflicts. Not everybody in meeting rooms speak up. And usually, sometimes you face those people who have the most valuable knowledge. They just don't want to speak up in a real meeting. Right. So that's again, that's a part of the study. And uh, I hope the trainers will communicate it to participants and encourage them to use it as a practice. So I I actually was raising my hand. I want to add into there, too, exactly what Antonita said. And and exactly what Avinash said earlier is that the expected audience for this class are senior managers, managers and and above. And the two things that Antonina said is, A, they should have 
that already the the ability to speak out or to work within a group and to focus on their individual conflict in a self-organizing team, because that's what this is, a self-organizing team. The second thing that Antonina, I just want to kind of comment on too, is that that is the example in the real world. So we, we were like, we're not going to monitor them. We facilitate and help. And that's what is expected of the trainer, but not to monitor and, and micromanage a self-organizing team. But what I wanted to add to that is we, the three of us, four of us, um, Akshay, you as well, is, have had the benefit to see this play out four times in the four beta sessions that Axelos had. And what I saw with the teams working together, so we got the opportunity to see multiple teams, is that they, were, they, they became a cohesive team very quickly. Then one more thing to add is there's probably a question in some trainers' minds, how do I do this online? because we are all in an online environment right now. And from what I experienced in the beta sessions is that the online forum actually made for better group dynamics and discussion. And I'll tell you how, is that as one person had to do the typing of the group answer and was trying to keep up with conversation, other people were typing things in the chat so there were multiple voices being heard through speaking or through typing all at the same time. It was it was really a rewarding experience to watch all of that. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, yeah. You, if you guys let me, I have two little disagreements to put in our conversation. <laughs> sure, sure. Conflict is good. Um, like conflict. <laughs> the first one is more addition. It's, yes, three, four of us. And I want to bring up Roman Jurovlo's name to this uh, uh, conversation as well, because he was the one who contributed a lot to the case studies and trainings. And the second point is, yes, it is uh, the target audience, managers, positions, and leaders, and also those who want to become a good manager yes. and want to become yeah, yeah, a leader. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to have these skills. Actually, this uh, case study uh, helps to practice and, you know, to practice a muscle of being a leader and make decisions. So it's for those people who are not managers yet as well. So I, I agree yeah. with Antonina's disagreement. So we're not going to have a fight on your, <laughs> on your ball. <laughs> we, ne we never had Sorry, a Sorry, everyone. That's exactly how we worked on our case. Oh, we could have yeah. sold tickets for this. We could have sold tickets. Yeah. Uh, we never had a disagreement. I think that was one great thing that happened in, in the co-creation of the case study, Akshay, was that all of us, somehow agreed to whatever was best for the outcome. I think that was, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about uh, what the candidate or the student can expect, but switching gears slightly, obviously the, uh, Avinash keeps using the phrase co-create and when running the case study, there are multiple parties here, there are the delegates, but there's also the trainer. So let's switch gears slightly and talk about the trainer in the room or the trainer in the virtual forum. What should trainers expect uh, with the case study? I mean, some of them uh, are new to ITIL in general. They might not have um, been qualified to deliver practitioner in, in ITIL version three, although that was what, uh, four years old at this point. Uh, so they might not be familiar with the case study mechanic. So as experienced trainers yourselves, 
uh, what uh, tips, what advice would you give to your fellow trainers who are looking to deliver this training? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, if I can, if I can yeah, take, sure. uh, uh, I think three things probably uh, based on the the experience uh, that that we have in the room. Probably I'd love to know what Antonio's viewpoint and Robin's viewpoint is. One is uh, know the content. Yeah, in terms of what we have in the DITS guide and and what are the USPs of the DITS guide, which we are part of evaluating as part of the assessment criteria. The second is know the case study at the back of your hand. So the two C's, yeah. And third is be ready to face ambiguity in discussions, in, in answers, and be ready to embrace ambiguity as part of the context when we are discussing this. So I, I'll say three C's, content, case study, and contextualization are the three things that a trainer should be uh, well equipped with to, to deliver this case study effectively. Yeah. For a moment, Avinash, I thought you were going to break out into a Spanish Inquisition routine. And contextualization, three things that this case study is. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's a good answer. Um, Antonina, uh, from, I, from your perspective. Yeah. From my perspective, uh, everything that Avinash just said, for sure. And experience your own service yourself be your own customer uh, i strongly insist all trainers before conducting the course make the case study themselves and for each company with uh, individually and with other people maybe with other trainers just to experience what sort of challenges uh, you face you know what sort of questions you might so i mean i think it's a really mandatory um thing there right be, be, become the student the student becomes the trainer yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah good point uh, yeah and robin any anything to uh, add to that? well i'll add to you, you do need to be a good facilitator a really really good listener so i mentioned the self-organized groups so if you have say 10 12 people in a training class it's not one group it's multiple and whether it be in person someday down the road or online you are dropping in to listen to those groups to hear some of the challenges that they have and as they come back to the main room they are going to be able to present their outcome and you need to be able to it's not just they present it and you say oh thank you and you move on to the next you want to challenge the group a little bit. Well, how did you derive this? And did you think about this? So that all goes in with, A, I mentioned facilitation, but everything that Antonina said and Avinash said about your own maturity with DITS and the case study to be able to do that. I, I definitely um, agree with that. I, I, the other aspects to um, being a facilitator, I think we touched upon when we were talking about uh, individual, the individual student's experience. I think a good facilitator also has to be sensitive to the group dynamics. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to be able to spot when people aren't able to um, uh, make their voices heard. Uh, right. They need to make sure that the group is cohesive and uh, respectful of each other and so on. That's also, a, I think, an equally valid part to being a facilitator or a coach uh, in these sorts of roles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the softer skills, actually, probably, 
will be more, be more empathetic mm-hmm. yeah, towards the group right i think sometimes they might take 5 minutes extra or 10 minutes extra to come, to come up with a good answer that they think would be adding value to the overall group so be empathetic over there we'll find 10 minutes somewhere else yeah uh, and and sometimes you have to to just pitch in the keyword to make sure that they are thinking in the right direction but again as robin mentioned you have to be very on the toes be a good listener be empathetic towards them and make sure that if they are digressing too much from the 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 answer at the right junction to give them the right navigation i think that's it i think these three skills from a software perspective soft skills perspective will add a lot of value to the training yeah sure in general i see this role for this training trainer is really challenging position i'm not saying it's a rocket science and i do believe anyone can learn to do that but it will definitely require a lot of um how would i put it commitment mm-hmm. and to to develop a lot of soft and hard skills to to be that trainer mm-hmm. that's interesting um so let's uh I mean, we've been we've been talking about the ditch assessment for for quite a while and uh yeah i know everyone has uh, other commitments that they need to get to so let's start uh, wrapping this up uh, i'm sure our listeners would be grateful for a chance to take their headphones off as well um so let, let's start wrapping this up uh, again i'd like to thank uh robin avinash and antonina um for for taking part in this uh robin if if people want to look you up or, or reach out to you what's the best way for them to do so <laughs> I'm still old fashioned the best way is really through email <laughs> r.isic@pinkelevit.com um also you will find me on linkedin so i i am getting better at linkedin getting better at digital technology <laughs> uh excellent and uh, avinash how can how can people find you if they want to get hold of you sure i think first would be linkedin now so slightly more digitally native than robin <laughs> so i think first would be linkedin and then again they can they can always approach me at avinash.singh@redfoxit.com yeah yeah and atlina uh, what about yourself how can people and find linkedin you linkedin is the first and the best for me so welcome to linkedin <laughs> i will be happy to answer the questions and answer any messages there Excellent. Um and if anyone has any questions of me, um you can uh, email ask at axlos.com. Uh equally you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Twitter, uh, occasionally tweeting as at @blowboy. That's B L O R E B O Y. Uh I'd also like to thank Harry Freeman, our producer, who's been very patiently and quietly staring at a computer screen <laughs> watching sound levels go <laughs> up and down for the last hour. So, uh thank you Harry uh for for helping us put this together. Uh until next time, uh, any questions, comments, uh, etc, please feel free to send them along. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, please do send them along as well. Uh in the meanwhile, stay safe and wash your hands. Presented by Axelos.